Hey, retro lovers, welcome to the Nostalgia Junkies podcast, where we talk all about pop culture, retro toy collecting, and nostalgia. And now, here are your Nostalgia Junkies. I'm Alex. I'm Aaron. And this is Nostalgia Junkies. So if this is your first time listening to Nostalgia Junkies, Aaron is a guest and a fan of the show. He's a friend of the family. And he is an 80s baby as much as I'm a 90s baby. Yes, yes, that's true. Yeah, I'm on that last cusp of 80s to 90s, as we were talking about before, where you're still getting a little bit of the 80s from your previous siblings, Mm -hmm. but you also got to get the greatness of the early 90s that, you know, I was growing up into. Exactly. So... I, we've actually mentioned you quite a bit on this podcast. I actually, uh, if you listen to the podcast and you've heard me talk about my dealer, this is my dealer. <laughs> so yeah, I always joke about you being my dealer because you, yep. you're, you're my toy dealer. Yes, yes, the and, plastic crack. Yeah. Yes, and I feel like you. A lot of this yeah. here in this basement, I, I've got, I've got from you. Oh yeah, I, I always love coming in and seeing different piece, a things that. So as a dealer of toys and selling things, it's always nice to see the things that you loved Mm -hmm. for a moment to find a home that is now going to be loved again. That's one of my favorite things about coming in here. Not just that, but also seeing all the of the other things that you get to see. It's awesome. Like it's Mm -hmm. just it's a complete blowing of the senses. And it's very hard when you're ADHD and you see all of these things. But I love, I love the fact that all of the things that I've given you, you've taken care of and found a great home for. That's one of the things that makes me really happy too. Well, I appreciate that. I think it's funny you mentioned like with ADHD, I built this as like just kind of a solitude. It's a sanctuary for when I'm working. Yep. And it has done awful things for my ADHD. I'll be down here in the middle of work and I'll just look. I'm like, that transformer's not quite straight. And then two hours later, I realize I'm in another room straightening all the figures and dusting everything. And I'm like, crap, what was I doing? Yep. Because when you move one, now you're going to move the other 10. Exactly. Because you knock into all all like dominoes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. But so how did you get into being a toy dealer? Um, I got into it as a collector. Okay. So I first, when I first started, I learned that the best thing to do was buy things in bulk, right? Because you're going to save when you buy in bulk. And there were certain things that I wanted to keep. And then there were certain things that I didn't want to keep. Okay. So that was where I was learning that, okay, well, if I get something for, let's say, $500, and I keep half of it. I can still sell the other half for four, five hundred dollars, or whatever, or make my money back, or something close to it. Mm-hmm. So that way, I wasn't wasting a lot of money. But also, it's it became a way of supporting the habit mm-hmm. that I didn't have to use my regular paycheck for. So that was kind of where I started off doing it. You know. I hear you on that because I feel like I kind of got into that for a little bit, yep. and I really it was just it was too much. So like it, it definitely becomes too much at times. A couple of years back, actually, um, I had at one time four storage units of <laughs> of stuff, <laughs> so it became a bit much. And when you're looking at you know five hundred dollars a month that you got to pay in mm-hmm. storage. That's a lot. That's a big check you got to come up with every month. And I learned to find better places of storage, to find one big unit and also to become more organized. The more organized you are, the easier it is for you to flow product, the easier it is for you to find things, especially when it comes to customers, because not all year long are you doing shows. Sometimes, just like you came down to my storage unit, you know, you want to be able to have customers come, people that you trust Mm -hmm. to come down and be able to pick. And you want to be able to pull things out for them that they're going to like. So the biggest thing for me was getting it down to a smaller storage unit and getting it more organized. Mm 
for your customers and for when you do your next shows. But uh, let's go into one of our first headlines. Fast Car by Tracy Chapman just won a CMA award after 35 years. That's right, which I was extremely amazed, especially growing up with that song playing on the radio like every day that and being on the top of the billboard charts like for a long time how it took this long Mm -hmm. for that to win an award like it took i guess the biggest thing for me it was like it took somebody else to start singing it for it to get a get an award like you know that's that's where i'm wondering is it the luke coma facts because like Luke Combs, everything that man touches or everything that man sings turns yep. to gold. Yep. So is it the aspect of Luke Combs singing the song that finally brought it up there? Was it his popularity already existing with a great song? Or is it the fact that the 80s are finally getting a little revival? You know, we had Kate Bush's yep. running up that hill. Yep. Got a lot of notoriety from Stranger Things. I think that is happening. And I think you see it more and more, especially with people who are in the music business that are actually, and a bit another part of that is sampling. Mm-hmm. So where you see these artists that are grabbing these samples from these songs, like I, or even just redoing them. Like one of my favorite songs is a song called the way it is. And then it was sung originally by a guy named Bruce Hornsby in the range. Mm-hmm. And then it was redone by Tupac and it blew up. So you got a big artist like Tupac who redoes something and then it all of a sudden blows up again. And I think people will start to look back, like you said, where you do get a big kickback. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think that happens in a lot of different aspects of life. I think it's definitely happening in clothing. You see it with uh, Skechers. Skechers have made a kickback again. Doc Skechers Martens. used to be the joke brand when I was a kid. It, yeah, well... For me, you know, growing up kind of, you know, on the rough side of the tracks, if you will, um, Skechers was the choice. It was either that or cons. I mean, and listen, I love I, my cons. I, ha- I had Skechers. I'm not knocking Skechers. Yep. I'm just remembering, like, I wore Skechers <clears throat> to school and yep. I got made fun of because I wore Skechers and not Nikes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's because it, but that was also a turn. You were on that turn of Skechers to Nike, you know, Skechers to Reebok, et cetera. Whereas, like, Certain things like I was on the turn of Converse mm-hmm. to Skechers or okay. Converse. Like I was going to say, Doc Martens is another one that's coming back and everybody's hopping on and grabbing Doc Martens again. And I think it's, you know, it's that cyclical thing. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's coming back around. So I do have one more headline for us. Super Mario RPG is getting a remake. I had not heard that, but that excites me. I yeah. like that. Which I think Super Mario RPG warrants a remake because the original Super Nintendo game, it was an orthogonal plane, which when you have a D-pad, not the easiest thing to play. No, no. However, rumor says Super Mario Brothers 3 is getting a remake. That I think would be killer. And the reason I say that is because I think the reason Super Mario 3 did so well was because you had the ability to go to so many different lands. You had the ability to... Maps have become everything. And especially with video games, people love maps. Mm -hmm. So anything where you can develop it with multiple maps, multiple places to go, where you can find those little uh, side quests or side things to do, especially with different... How can I put this? So like, you know, in many of the games... The point is to get the star, right? Mm -hmm. But, or the key or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, the object may be. But when they make multiple, those are the ones that are the games that usually do really, really well. That replayability. That replayability that, you know, I still to this day go back with my wife. My wife (laughs) kills it in Super Mario 3. Okay. You know, that and Super Mario for Super Nintendo. She's amazing at it. And it just blows my mind because she's so fast, you know, especially there's certain like, you know, your hand eye coordination yep. and for your finger coordination. And it blows my mind that some people have the ability to do it so quickly. So I grew up with the Super Mario All-Stars cartridge. Yes. And yes. I just would religiously play Super Mario 3. 
to me, the color palette that's on the Super Mario All-Stars, it's different than the original NES cartridge. Oh, yeah. To me, the iconic one is the the redone reissue that's in Super Mario All-Stars. Yes. I don't know how I would feel with them remaking it. Gotcha. Is it because you have it as a memory? It's a core memory. It's a core memory. Yeah. And I feel like to take from the 8 or 16-bit style that it was and make it in modern day graphics. Yep. It's going to take away some of the appeal, in my opinion. Yeah. That blockiness. When you're used to that blockiness. We have so many 3D or 3D style 2D platformers. Yep. Super Mario Wonder just came out. Yep. Why do we need to bring back one of the greatest platformers of all time and do it in modern day graphics when we just had another platformer that I would say is on or comparable to the same level? Yep. Yeah. I don't think it needs to be done. You know, I agree with you for a bit, but also I look at it as if it gets that next generation to love it as much as we do, then I'm all for it. So that's where, you know, you have that nostalgia and like you said, that core memory and you like things the way that they were when you were growing up. But at a certain point, make me sound like an old fogey. Well, that's what I mean. I'm the old guy here. So, you know, that's the thing is that sometimes as especially generational speaking, you have to stop being the old curmudgeon and you have to be happy that Mm -hmm. the next generation is doing your thing in a different way. Sometimes you got to be happy. Just be happy that it's still there. You know what I mean? If it gets the next generation interested in it. I'm all for it. I want it to add to Super Mario 3's legacy. I think it'd be pretty hard for them to take it away, like take away any of that grandioseness that it's had. Yeah. But we've seen it happen. I, yes, we've seen it happen for certain things, but at the same time, you and I can still go back and play that game. You know, so if we want that, Mm -hmm. we still have it. So, especially with today's, I mean, you look at everybody's got a uh, Raspberry Pi or whatever they want to download every single game that was ever made. So, all of these younger generations can do it 10 times faster than we can because they're much more technology, you know, savvy. And I think that when they go back, they're like, they're going to go back and go, oh my God, this game's so much harder. You know, I have nephews that I've played many of the retro games with and they're like, how is it that you played this on a block, you know, with two buttons and how did you get the timing exactly right with the jump and your fireball and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, it took 500 times before we actually passed Mm -hmm. that level. And I think they're so quick to run through stuff that they don't see that for when games were first developed, you had to learn how to make those moves. And it took a little bit longer. At least I think it took a little bit longer. So I brought my Game Boy in to school one day. Yep. And I had one of my students try playing through Pokemon (laughs) Blue. And Pokemon Blue versus like the modern day Pokemon games, it's night and day. Oh, yeah. The current games are so fast paced. There's XP share. We had none of that back in the day. Oh, no. It oh, was no. grind. Yeah. But that that's what games needed to be because games weren't getting released every few days. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we were getting games once a year sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, if we were lucky. Mm-hmm. And it was, <laughs> you know, the development. They couldn't develop them fast enough, mm-hmm. you know, especially when it came to 80s games. Oh, my goodness. Like. I always laugh because certain things just got repackaged. All they did was switch somebody around Mm -hmm. and call it something else. And, you know, and then it was, you know, the same thing again. Mm -hmm. Um, There were a couple of games that they did that for. I think one of the most iconic ones is Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man. Oh, absolutely. All we do is stick a bow on it. Absolutely. They Mm -hmm. actually, um, a friend of mine who's really big into... Uh, coin op. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually was a coin operations guy all the time in the 80s and 90s. Um, one of the things that he always talks about is the repackaging of all of the stuff. And so, in other words, all they did was change the CPU, just mm-hmm. change literally just a little piece. 
and then change the art on the outside of it. And that was it. Mm -hmm. You got a brand new game. And they did that with multiple games. Mortal Kombat was the other one that they did that with all the time. Um, another one that they did that with was, uh, what was that basketball one where it had the NBA jam? Is that the flaming hoop where the hoop would flame? I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. NBA jam. And that was rebranded for, cause that was the four player, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah. That was rebranded as the X-Men. So that was one of the machines that got rebranded for the X-Men. Wow. Yeah. Which was another amazing arcade game as far as I'm concerned, but you know, it, it didn't take much and it was cheaper, you know, a brand new machine at $5,000 or change the art on the outside and the CPU for $500, mm-hmm. you know? So that was why they did it so often. Well, let's go into our next section. We're going to be playing this or that. This or that. Okay. You can go with this or you can go with that. So my first this or that question is one of my favorite to ask because it kind of gives me an impression of how you were as a kid. Or at least I think it does. Okay. Nintendo or Sega? Very hard because Nintendo was that earlier one, obviously. But when Sega came out, I think they definitely blew Nintendo away, especially with how many different kind of games that they had. Okay. Um, one of my favorite things, actually, I think it was um, about Sega was they developed, I believe it was the Nomad Yep. that you could play, you know, that was a little bit later on, but you could play the Sega games on a handheld. Okay. And I know that Nintendo did that later on too with, but opposite where you could play the Game Boy games on the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go with Sega because they were more adventurous and... How can I say this? Uh, a little bit bloodier. Many of the games were a little bit on more on the R-rated side. Yep. More action, more fighting. Um, you know, that that was where you saw those X-Men games comes out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where you saw the fighting games come out, the Mortal Kombat, you know, and things of that nature. And now those were the ones that were, for me, were the um, best replayability. Okay. You know, and also that you learned that other people everybody could sit down and play Mortal Kombat together because we all had learned the moves. And it was one of those things, and it was a multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So we could, you know, play multiplayer, you know, for those mm-hmm. kinds of games. So I had Nintendo growing up. I had a couple of friends who had Segas. So Sega wasn't my household console. So I'm at a nostalgia purposes, I'd say I'm Nintendo. But everything you're saying, I agree with. The fact that Sega had those more teenage-themed games. Yes. They yes. and I, listen, like our buddy Brandon yep. owns Retro Drum. Yep. yep. I I continuously look at all the Sega Genesis just artwork on their on the. Oh yeah, that was the other thing. Their artwork was killer. I mean, yeah. you know, packaging sells stuff, especially to kids. We, mm-hmm. you know, we we love bright colors. We love good art. Um, I mean, and and it was nothing. And what's funny about it, it's nothing new. They've been packaging things, you know, uh, let's say of that nature, like comic books, for instance. They've been selling comic books because of the cover art for, you years. know, years, years and years, decades. And I think that was one thing that Sega got right was their packaging mm-hmm. and their um, violence factor for many of their games. Agreed. Um, That's why, like, I look at the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers oh, Super yeah. Nintendo game. Yep. And then the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Genesis game. Yep. And just the art style that's on the Genesis cover. Yep. It's brighter. It has the blue background with the sky. You have all the Power Rangers right up front and center. Yep. Where if you look at the Super Nintendo cartridge, it's the name. It's on a black background. And all the Power Rangers are kind of shrunk down into a corner. Yep. And yep. it, you know, if we're talking about marketing, it's going to go to Sega. Oh, yeah. If I'm thinking about all longevity, right. it's Nintendo. I think definitely when it came to longevity and also pushing out, how can I say this? Uh, having the availability to push out more. Mm-hmm. I think Nintendo definitely went, won the race. You know, uh, they definitely won the race in the long term. That's obvious. Um, but I think they, you know, I think Sega was one of those pop things where it became very good for a very 
short time. I just don't think they were able to keep up with Nintendo. So I got one more this or that for you. Masters of the Universe or G.I. Joe? I'm going to go with G.I. Joe. Um, I was, as I said, you know, I was a later 80s into the 90s, and I am a fiend for G.I. Joe, especially the things that nobody likes, the things that everybody left on the shelf. I love the neons. Mm-hmm. I love, love, love them. All of the ugly stuff is my favorite stuff. Um, actually, uh, so Ego Warriors is one of the later lines for G.I. Joe. And I love them because they were all strange neon green, neon orange, mm-hmm. you know, and funky other colors. And it was a lot of rebranding once again. But um, I think that another thing with G.I. Joe is that you also had the availability to continue to use the same vehicles or even if you didn't have the vehicles you could use a tonka truck and you know or whatever you know most there were a lot of cars and and vehicles and things that you could use for gi joes and it didn't have to be a gi joe vehicle you could play with them outside not a big deal also one of the other things you know they had more maneuverability they had Way many, they had way more, what is it, like 16 points of articulation on a G.I. Joe, I think. And it's, what is it, four, no, five on a He-Man, I think. It's the head, the two arms, and the legs, and that's it. Mm-hmm. But definitely G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe, I, I, I can't say anything other than that. And, I, and the biggest part about G.I. Joe, the toughest part is mm-hmm. you need a whole house to collect all of the G.I. Joe as far as a collector. And I'm not that guy. Well, I only have, you want the flag. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've I've had flags pass through my hands and, you know, it's one of those things where once you put it together, it's eight foot long and your wife is asking you when you're going to move it and when it's gone, you know, and, you know, that's not a situation that keeps it happy in the home. So uh, that that left my house pretty quickly. So I agree with you that G.I. Joe, it had the the articulation is better. The playability with different figures I also felt was better. I love the art style of Motu. Oh, yes. I love the absolutely. voice acting cast for Motu as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, for, from, for the filmation show? Yes. Absolutely. absolutely. I feel like if it weren't for the filmation show, there wouldn't be as many iconic characters. Oh, absolutely. And that's the only reason why I would go with Motu is because yep. I'm also thinking the cartoons. Yes. However, yep. if we then bring movies into it, I have yep. to go back to G.I. Joe. Oh, yeah. They Motu- dropped the ball with... Uh, Master the universe. Yeah, with Lundgren. And I, I think that was one of the problems that they, they didn't have enough, how can I say this, child imagination for that. And I think they tried to make it too serious of an action film. I also feel the special you know? effects weren't there yet. Like no. What they wanted to do no. just wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was one of those things where they, unfortunately, um, it hadn't been developed enough for its time. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those kind of things where, you know, like certain, there were certain special effects companies like um, Industrial Light and Sound, you know, that had developed certain things for certain movies like Star Wars, for instance, you know, they developed a lot of stuff, um, but I don't think they got to that point of He-Man type, you know, uh, background or anything for special effects that could have done the job. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard because it's, it, it was one of those... It was fantasy. It was sci-fi. It was, you know, it was, you know, like I said, it was, you know, you had a lot of people that were of the barbaric look, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, and I don't know if you knew this, but the whole purpose behind developing it, you know, Masters of the Universe in the first place was because they wanted to do like a Conan kind of barbarian toy line. And, you know, that was kind of where they were developing it for. And, you know, as, you know, Mattel, you know, another thing that they were smart with was once again, rebranding, you know, everybody did rebranding back in the day. Um, you know, uh, what was the name of the cat? Why am I? I'm sorry. Cringer. Cringer. Thank yeah, you. It, it was from, uh, oh, what's his name? Let's see if you can remember. Let's see if you know it. Oh God. I know it's big something. Big Jim. Big Jim. It's I was going to say Jim. Big John. I yep. knew it wasn't right. Yep. yep. Big Jim toy line. There were yep. two of them. There's two cats that they had. Because what did, was, they, what did they call it with the vehicles? It was it wasn't tooling. It was it, no. It was to, it so was tooling. It was tooling. Yep. Okay. So when they build 
um, when they build those, they have molds that they use and they just reuse those molds. Mm -hmm. And that is known as tooling. And so all they did was they retooled them and then, or they reused the tooling and then they repainted them. So the first two cats that they had originally had was one was a panther, a black panther for Big Jim. And uh, the other one was a tiger. I think the name of the playset was called the Jungle Jungle Rescue Playset. And, you know, Big Jim Jungle Rescue Playset. Mm -hmm. Say that 10 times fast. (laughs) And, but they used that for a ton of stuff. Um, And Mattel did, Kenner did. Um, But I mean, it was smart. This actually just brings us kind of like right into our next segment then. We are going to be getting to our meat and potatoes. Turn it on. Leave it on. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. (laughs) Hey, y'all. Alex here. If you've been enjoying listening to Nostalgia Junkies, you might want to check out some of our other episodes, like our 90s toy commercial review, or our top 10 Disney Channel original TV shows. As always, consider dropping a five-star review and sharing our show to help us grow. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Nostalgia Junkies Podcast for all that extra nostalgic goodness. Now, back to the show. All right. And we are starting off with the best 80s toy line. Okay, best 80s toy line. So I'm going to go with, all right, so I think it was 89, was Turtles. 89, and I know it's right on the edge there, but. I'm going to hundred percent have to go and I know it's right on the edge. So I'm kind of just there, but I have to say playability. Um, I have to say another thing when it came to turtles was the fact that you could beat the crap out of them. Mm -hmm. Turtles were, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was so iconic a because of the show B because of the movie. Um, and then C because of the toys. And one of the cool things about the toys was you had these characters that they kept on making really cool things for. So, the, you know, all right, you get the same four turtles, but they're going to turn them into all different kinds of stuff. They're going to turn them into military. You're going to turn them into pizza shooters. You know, pizza shooters. You're going to turn them into squirting heads. Rock stars. Rock stars. Uh, my Universal favorite, monsters. Universal, that's what I was going to say. My favorite was the universal monsters, which are you know, later in the line, very hard to find. Um, but another thing that I liked about it was the fact that it was these animals that became, you know, so there are other parts that were like animals that were stereotype, you know, stereotypes of their type of animal. So, you know, the lion is a king, you know, or, you know, the giraffe plays basketball. The moose is a a Canadian Mountie. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, so it was all of these things that were very stereotypical, but funny, like, and lighthearted, but also very strange. You know, they they all had very strange weapons, Mm -hmm. um, different colors. That's another thing. The color schemes, the color schemes are awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, how many other toy lines do you know that use orange and purple as much? Like, I understand purple with villains, but like, do you use orange and purple? Once again, G.I. Joe used purple a lot. But I don't think they used it as much as Turtles did. I don't think. I'm talking about the yeah. combination of orange Oh, the combination? And oh, no. No, there's. Like, I don't think I've ever seen another show that uses orange and purple. No, I can't think of one that uses it especially as much. I mean, there's, you know, certain ones that they used it time to time. But like, you know, Pokemon, they use, you know, those color oranges, reds, et cetera, you know, things like that. But I. You know, as far as the orange and purple together, they put a lot of things together that didn't necessarily match, but they made it work well. So I actually had TMNT as my best 80s toy line oh, as did well. You? Okay. And as you know, I'm, I'm a Street Sharks kid. We wouldn't have Street Sharks if there wasn't Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't think we would have probably, I don't think we would have at least a dozen toy lines if it wasn't for Turtles. I mean, I look, mean Cowboys of Mumesa. Cowboys of Mumesa. Barnyard Commandos. Mm-hmm. That's another one I don't think we would have. Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks. You definitely wouldn't have Battletoads. I mean, Battletoads is 100% a follow mm-hmm. of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Exactly. You know, and that became another one that was an amazing game, you know? And then also, I don't think they did much for the toys, but, you know, they did a lot for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple Bendem figures. Yeah. I'd say, I think my favorite uh, toy line has to be Transformers. I wouldn't say it's the best of the 80s, though. I wouldn't say it's the best of the 80s. You know, as far as best, 
I think you have to go back a bit to a lot of the Japanese toys. Yes. So as far as toys go for the eighties, you know, my favorite is turtles, you know, mm-hmm. cause that's what it is. But as far as some of the best, um, I'd have to say some of your best stuff is Voltron. Some of your best stuff is uh, Starcom. Uh, things that were built to last. Like they, you know, Jap- uh, the Japanese versions of Voltron mm-hmm. were all metal and they lasted. And I mean, we're looking at 40 years later mm-hmm. and they're still intact. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, the chrome maybe, you know, wiped away a little bit on them. Oh, you got one up here? I, I have the one that you got me. The, oh, that's the- right. The that's little right. small one. Yeah, yeah, the little small one. I think that's the matchbox version, if I remember. And those okay. are the pullbacks, right? I believe so. Yeah. So those are the pullbacks that matchbox. I, I, I've had never made. taken them apart since I got them from you. Yep. I like put them right there and just like we moved them from shelf to shelf. Yep. Nice. Nice. Yeah. He looks good still. But I mean yeah. that's but that's they almost last. 40 years old. They last. Exactly. You know, and I think when it comes to some of the best toys of the 80s, that was the best, that was really critical was did they last mm-hmm. the playability you know for instance i mentioned starcom um one of the great things about starcom it was magnets in the feats of the characters and that was the whole playability of it was that here you could take these figurines and hook them up just just about everything mm-hmm. and it was you know it it was awesome like you could put them on the fridge you know or you could you know play with them wherever because the idea was these characters were in space and the only way they were going to be, be able to not float away was, having, was magnets. having magnets on their feet so that they could, you know, walk across the top of the starship or whatever. Let's go into our best eighties cartoon. Best eighties cartoon. All right. Um, that's really tough. Like I did mention Starcom. Mm-hmm. Starcom was definitely one of my favorites. Okay. Um, but um, as far as, longevity for me and a cartoon that I was, and this is going to sound weird because I'm an action guy. Okay. But I loved Garfield. I loved Garfield for its simplicity and its sarcasm and its jokes. Okay. And I know that sounds crazy, you know, cause I am an action guy and I love the action shows, but I will say that Garfield and Garfield and friends mm-hmm. was one of my favorites. And I think it's because of the, uh, like you said, that core memory mm-hmm. that getting up on a Saturday morning, getting your cereal, knowing that you, you know, for me, I had chores to do. I had a list of chores I had to do on Saturday. My father had worked on Saturdays. My mother had worked on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. We had until noon, you know, by noon we had to, we had to get going. We had to get going on our chores and clean it. We had to be cleaned and ready and, you know, ready to start the day. So I think getting up and that was being one of the first cartoons that was on earlier in the day, mm-hmm. that was a core memory for me. And it was just one of those ones that was just so silly, but you know, how can I say this? It had a, uh, not kindness to it, but it had a, uh, wholesomeness, wholesomeness. Thank you. That's a word. To, that's an excellent word. Wholesomeness to it that, you know, so here's not something that you're waking up with action right away. Mm-hmm. Here's something that, you know, makes you happy. It's funny for being funny, not funny for being slapstick. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Although there was slapstick in it. It was. Oh, yeah. There was slapstick in it all the but time. But not like Tom and Jerry level slapstick. No, not Tom and Jerry. Not, um, not you know, any of the Warner Brothers, you know, the Bugs Bunny kind of slapstick. Mm-hmm. You know, not that kind of violence. It was more like, oh, you know, John you know, had a pan of lasagna thrown at him or something, you know, something silly like that. I would say growing up and looking back on one of my favorite ones had to be DuckTales. Oh God. Yeah. The theme song. Oh yeah. Immaculate. Yep. However, I think overall my favorite eighties cartoon, and this is because my mom used to go to like a woman's only gym when I was a kid, my mom was a single mom. So I used yep. to go with her and they had like a waiting room, yeah. like nursery yeah. area. Yeah. It was basically a glorified office with like one window with like, <laughs> like a one way panel glass that could see into the office. So you couldn't see into the gym, yep. but they could see into the office to make sure the kids were okay. Yep. And they had like five VHS tapes. That was it. Yeah. So I would constantly watch the super Mario brothers, super show. Oh yeah. Over and over oh, and yeah. over again. I think you're at the gym for like an hour, hour 15. Yep. A VHS back in the day is not holding that much. It's holding one, maybe two episodes. 
I watched those same five VHS tapes over and over. That was, uh, what was his name? Big Lou. Lou Big, Albano. Lou Albano. Captain Lou Albano. Captain and Lou Albano. Yep. I can't remember the guy who plays Luigi right now. I can't remember him either. But yeah, that was that was killer. But they had the yeah. Super Mario Brothers rap, the swing your arms from side yep. to side. Yep. And I was so happy that came back in the new Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah. That was, yeah. I loved that. Yep. That was such an iconic thing growing up for me that it was nice to see it finally come back for the new generation like we we're talking about. So yeah. you're, you're, you're warming me up to Super Mario 3 coming back. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing is they take something and I think they definitely put keys of things from the previous, you know, from the past in there. You, you know, you notice some certain things um, that they'll bring back, especially with that new Super Mario movie. You know, they had certain things about, especially with like the skeletons and, you know, the skeleton turtles and all that kind of stuff. The dry bones. The dry bones. Yep. And things like that, that they would bring in. And I think they'll do it right enough. And then the reason I say that is because many, they're now where many of the developers of those games and of those movies, et cetera, all the media, they're the same as us where they're the ones that grew up with it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they want to lose the nostalgia either. And I think they want to keep a lot of that good stuff. And so far, I think they've done a good job. That's why like, I got to give it to Seth Rogen. Yep. I know he gets a lot of crap for whatever reason, <laughs> but he's a fan. Yeah. He's a fan. Yeah. And you know what? I watched the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Yep. And no, it is not our 80s, 90s cartoon. No. However, no. This is the first iteration of Turtles to have teenage turtles. Yeah. Yeah. And they did a really good job with it. Yeah. It is a great. I haven't seen it yet. I, I'm not, I don't want to spoil it. It's All just right. a really good entrance point yep. for new fans. My middle schoolers, my 11 and 12 year olds yeah. are still talking about that movie. Oh, wow. And it's been out since the summer. Oh, wow. There is not a single week that goes by that these kids aren't talking about Ninja Turtles. Oh, wow. Well, that's good. So you know what? We got a new generation into yeah. it. If there's an if it gets a new generation into loving it, then hey, I'm all for it. So next part, best or favorite 80s video game. So my favorite 80s video game is one that is super violent. Um Contra. Okay. I love Contra. The original Contra. The original Contra for NES loved it. It's one of those games where you definitely had to work on your, your play. You had to work on your, you know, your motion, your hand-eye coordination. Um, it was a hard game, super hard game. Um, especially, I, I think it took like six months to a year to finally beat it. I mean, it's but also one of those ones that you can still go back to till this day and sit down and enjoy. You know, you're going to get mad at it at first, every once in a while. But then, you know, you get over the fact that, you know, you're going to have to go back and, you know, redo it. And as we said, you know, uh, fail. You got to fail a bunch of times before you can succeed. So I think that's definitely one of my favorites, you know. That's actually one of the reasons why I love Super Ghouls and Goblins. Yes. Which, it's a 90s game. But yes. I love that game. No, that's an amazing Mainly, game too. The re you have to have yep. that replayability in that game. Yep. Favorite 80s video game for me? Pac-Man. Really? Dude, I love Pac-Man. Because the, now is it because the, don't take offense. Was it because of the simplicity? It was the, sim so like the same reason you liked Contra because of the complexity. Yeah. I love Pac-Man because you just shut your mind off and you go. Yeah. And yep. it's also a game for me. Like I grew up playing that nonstop. My grandparents had the little Coleco tabletop yep. arcade. Yep. I can still hear that dun, 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 dun. dun. And I remember playing with my grandfather. Uh, so it's like... So that's it, a core memory. Exactly. Another and core memory. So that's why it's definitely my favorite. If I want to go with like best for me, I would say Super Mario Brothers, the original. Yep. But favorite, yeah. Pac-Man. I got to go with Pac-Man. Yep. Yeah. Now, I do think <clears throat> there, were, there were ones that I think were better than, you know, um, definitely. I think I, I love Contra. Just because mm -hmm. of the fact I was really big into Rambo. I was really big into Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, you know, in the 80s. Uh, so I was like, oh, here's a video game that literally looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
and looks like him playing a video game, you know, him as the character. And, you know, uh, especially when, you know, you had, we had Commando come out, we had mm-hmm. Predator come out. Um, and that was kind of the mindset was here you have an army guy that's shooting aliens. So that was definitely one of them. But I think as far as like one of the best video games, um, especially for NES, uh, the whole Mega Man stream. I think Mega Man was probably one of the best franchises that Nintendo has ever come up with. I agree with that. You know, because I mean, again, and not even the, even the mainline Mega Man, but even all the offshoots too. Oh yeah, oh, it yeah. has spawned an incredible franchise. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, a hundred percent. The reason you know, Mega Man kept Capcom in in business. You know, 100%. There, you know, Capcom started as a, you know, a arcade game, you know, an arcade. Co- oh, yeah. Yeah. Capcom started as all just doing arcade I, cabinets. I, so I literally have a Marvel Capcom yeah. on the other side of this office. <laughs> also, <laughs> one of the best games that ever came out as a fighter game, yeah. you know, Marvel versus Capcom. You know, here you had all these, you had two different, you know, brands mm-hmm. that they decided to bring together, and it was brilliant. You know, it was one of those things that won over, oh, okay, we're going to grab these people over here from Marvel that love Marvel and read comic books. And then we're going to grab these people over here that we've already grabbed for video games and we're going to combine them. And now we've got twice the amount of people that are going to be fans and twice the number of people that are going to want to play our game, you know, when they first put it out into the arcades, you know, that was brilliant. So we're going to move into our last part of this 80s conversation. Best 80s movie. But before that, we put out a poll a couple weeks ago on favorite 80s movie. And we got one back from one of our listeners, Tony. And I got to agree with him on it. The most iconic 80s movie, The Breakfast Club. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, do I think it's a good movie? Absolutely. Mm Mm-hmm. Do, did it have a lot to say about teen, teen angst and learning to get along with others? hundred percent. And learning that you're more than just the group that you're set into. Okay. hundred percent. Because I, w- I was, you know, growing up, I was one of those people, especially when it came to middle school and high school, I was friends with the band geek. I was friends with the jocks. I was friends with the people from stage. I was friends with the people that were in the, you know, the traveling band. I was friends with the people that, you know, all different groups, kids. Mm -hmm. And I was the person that really got along with all different types. And I don't think it had anything to do with a movie, but I think that you learn a lot more from people when you're willing to open up Mm -hmm. to different groups of people. I think one of the bias I know that Tony and I have. Yeah. We're both educators. Yes. So I think being an educator, we are a little biased with that. Because before thinking long and deep about this question from an educator standpoint, it's really hard to pick a best or even favorite 80s movie. Oh, for me, it's not a problem. So what's your favorite then? My favorite? Yeah. The Predator. The Predator. Arnold Schwarzenegger and a cast of muscle bound people, you know, um, that it was just brilliant. You had all these people that, and one of my favorites is the, you know, the fact like you learn more, I learned more and more about when they were making that movie. Um, you know, as they, you know, put stuff out and people start talking about it, that made the movie like the predator wasn't even supposed to look the way it was. It was supposed to be, have this elongated head and look ugly and, you know, neon colors and things like that. And, um, Anyways, but I think as far as suspense, mm-hmm. action, drama, and overall rewatchability, Predator, The Predator, 100%. Okay. 100%, I mean, there's literally got to be six different lines from that movie that everybody knows. Everybody knows, get to the chopper. You know, everybody knows, you know, there's some things here. There's, well, I don't want to say some of the other ones because they're... A uh, little off color, so to speak. Um, but there's it's a few okay. lines we're, we're not a when they're show. riding in on the helicopter, you know, um, that are amazing lines, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that are hilarious to this day. Every time I, and it's just, you know, it, it's one of those things you hear it again and you chuckle, mm-hmm. you know. 
You know, I, I feel like I lean more towards the comedy side yep. of the 80s, which that is the era of John Candy. Oh, absolutely. It is so hard to yep. pick. No, because I don't think you, you also have Bill Murray. You have, you have John Dan Belushi. Ackroyd, you have John Belushi. Yep. You, oh, it, yeah. is, it is so hard to pick a favorite 80s movie yep. within that yep. realm, which is why yeah. I went more towards the John Hughes yep. aspect. Yep. Now, the as far as like, you know, a combination of the two of action and comedy, Ghostbusters. Yep. 100% Ghostbusters. You know, I just happen to pick the Predator, but Ghostbusters is is my second. Um, but that's because that was that was such a good film, mm-hmm. you know. And and you and I had I think uh, had discussed you know uh, many of the other kinds uh, Spielberg films. Yes, and Spielberg, another guy. You know, there's so much so much good stuff that came out in the '80s for Spielberg. Yeah, original you talking know? point of this podcast we had talked about mm-hmm. was Hughes or Steven Spielberg. Yep, and it it's I, that's a whole podcast on its own. Oh God, yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent. I mean, I think we, to be honest with you, I think we could spend an hour sitting here going back and forth about you know the you know like we we're talking about the the effects. You know, yeah. Spielberg, along with Industrial Light and Sound, created a ton of special effects that reverberated throughout the ages. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know that's a whole conversation too. But yeah. you know, I think. Um, for me, it was Spielberg because especially, you know, you talk about certain films that catch you. To this day, I can't watch Jaws and go in the water. Like, I can go in the water, but I can't watch Jaws. You just need a Jaws. bigger boat, though. I need a bigger boat, but I can't go, I can't go, I can't watch Jaws and then go into the water the next day. I have to stop thinking about it because it makes you think about it, mm-hmm. you know? It's one of those films that literally made a generation of non-swimmers at one point, you know? Yeah. You know, so I, I, I think, uh, you know, I think both, uh, made, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, the breakfast club, another one like that, um, St. Elmo's fire. Mm -hmm. That was another excellent film. You know, I, I think that one actually doesn't get as much credit as people, as people should give it because that was another one with the brat pack. Okay, let, let me let yep. me throw this idea out at you. I think we do a future podcast. All right, on the work of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ooh, everything from the Predator. Yep. The twins. Ooh, are are we staying in the eighties? Oh no, I'm, everything's fair game. All right, so Expendables, everything. Okay, Last Action Hero, Collateral Damage, Jingle All the Way. All right. Yeah. Yeah, because there's so much. He has there's done so much. Yeah. My one of my favorite ones, that Batman he and actually, Robin. Yep, one of the, one of my favorite ones. I'm a big one for sci-fi, horror, etc. End of Days. End of Days with Arnold Schwarzenegger and it's a lot of people think it's a B movie, but for me, it was one of those ones especially, you know, being of the generation where I was, you know, going into the 2000s as a young adult, you know, that was that was a big one. Like was the world going to end? And that was a movie about the world's going to end, and I think that was like, you know, killer. You know. So I think that'll end our 80s conversation. And instead of doing trivia today, we are going to play a new game. It's Guess the Cartoon by Emoji. All right. We now return to our show. So I'm going to give you the choice. I can either show you each emoji individually, like one at a time. Yep. Or I can show you all three at the same time. What would you prefer? One at a time. Because my ADHD brain won't be able to do it. <laughs> so they, they build on each other. So it'll be like one okay. emoji, two emoji, three emojis. And they're three different cartoons. No, no. It's one cartoon. Oh, it's one cartoon for three yep. emojis. Okay. Yep. So the first one. Okay. Magnifying glass. Okay. Magnifying glass in cheese. Oh my goodness. This is tough. And these are all 80s cartoons. Magnifying glass, cheese, and chipmunk. Oh. Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. You got it. That was, yeah, yeah. So That was good. I'll that was good. I got to give it to you. That was good. These start off, yeah. that was the easy one. Oh, that was the easy <laughs> that one? That was the easy one. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. Okay. So, money. Oh, yep. Money and swimming. Yep. I, I got it already. You want me to just stop you? Money, swimming, and duck? 
DuckTales. Yeah. Yeah. I told you, we we're going to start off easy. Yep. I figured I'd do the See, first. I think that one was easier, man. I think that was definitely easier. I wasn't sure if you leaned more towards Chippendale or DuckTales. Yep. Because I, I showed these to Jocelyn and Jocelyn had no idea what DuckTales. Yeah. Until I think we got the duck and she like tailspin. I'm like, it doesn't have a duck in it. It doesn't have a duck in it. It has a bear. I know. It has a couple of bears. I know. Okay. Foot. Foot. Rat. Okay. Got it already. Turtle. Yeah. That's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was, I, yep. see, that was the easiest because the first thing I saw the foot, I'm like, yeah, it's foot clan. This is turtles. It's rat. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. I showed this one to a few people. They had no idea because they didn't remember it was called the Foot Clan. They just yeah. remembered Shredder, Bebop, Rocksteady. Oh, God, yeah. No, there was like, I mean, that was like a whole development it was story. The whole thing. There was a whole development story about how the Foot Clan came to be like, Thank you. in the cartoon series. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. a big thing. It, it's where you can show the people who like remember the cartoon yep. and remember the intellectual property. Yep. Okay, so Skull. Mm. Skull and bicep. Skull, bicep, castle. Ooh, this is tough. <gasps> Skeleton warriors? No. Good oh. guess, though. Oh. All right. I got one other guess, but I don't think it's going to be it. Um, King Arthur and the Knights of Justice? No. Masters of the Universe. Masters of the Universe. Oh, my God. How did I not get that? Skeletor. Skeletor. He-Man. He-Man. Grayskull. Oh, Grayskull. Oh, I lost it on that one. Wow. I should like, okay. here's my 80s card. Here you go. This I got to give it back. This one I feel is a little difficult. Yep. But it is one of my favorite 80s cartoons that I purposely didn't mention. Okay. Fire. Okay. Fire and ice. Okay. Fire and ice and a spider. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. You got it. And the reason it's fire is because of Firestar. Firestar. Ice because of Iceman and yep. the spider because of Spider-Man. Exactly. And Firestar and Iceman both were intellectual pop. Well, they were X-Men. Both of them were uh, X-Men originally. And then when they started off with the amazing Spider-Man series, they wanted to bring more characters into it. And they, those seemed to be, two of the more popular characters. And that was why they brought them into the show. That was a good show. That was an excellent show. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent show. But yeah. that was our uh, emoji game for you. Awesome. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. I'm sorry. I didn't get them all, but you know, it's been the other ones. I had a couple other ones, but they were, they were really out there. Okay. So maybe next time. Yeah. Next time I'm down for that. That's a good game. I like that game. Yeah. But fun. I've been Alex. I've been Aaron. And you've been listening to nostalgia junkies. Peace. Thanks for having me, Alex. That's all, folks. Thank you for listening to the Nostalgia Junkies podcast. Follow us on social media, subscribe to the podcast, and make sure to never miss an episode. Till the next episode.